Good morning. We'll be in Deuteronomy chapter 6 this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6, as we uh, discuss this sermon series, No Longer Slaves. I truly believe that the intention God had when he gathered his people around Mount Sinai to give them the Ten Commandments, to give them all the commandments and all the regulations, it was to do so to keep them living in freedom. He had taken them from Egypt and is now giving them new life. And today we're going to talk about how they can remember and love. Love and remember. Let's read this passage here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Let's pray together. Father, I'm just uh, very, very grateful to gather here this morning with my friends and my family as we lift up and celebrate your holy name. You are creator God you are our Father. You are worthy of all of our praise and adoration. And as we gather, we gather to study your word with, with hopes and by asking you to speak to us. Allow your Holy Spirit to move in such a way that we can know you better. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The Shema prayer is one of the oldest and most famous of all Jewish prayers in the Bible. Our passage this morning is the first part of that prayer, which is recited daily by many Jews even today. The Hebrew word Shema translates to our English word, hear, as in hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. But hear has a deeper meaning in Hebrew. It's more like listening to allow the words to sink in, to provide understanding and to generate action. In, here, in Hebrew, hearing and doing are the same thing. Ancient Israelites prayed this daily prayer. Devout Jews still pray the prayer today. If you remember when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He quoted the Shema. 
He said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all your soul and all of your strength. I cannot understate the importance of this passage to Jews and Christian alike, which is why I had to preach on this if we're going to study the book of Deuteronomy. We today, you and I, must love God and remember his commandments. Remember, Jesus said in John chapter 14, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, he says. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Although the Shema is found in the Old Testament, Jesus embraces the heart of the Shema prayer by encouraging us that if we truly love Jesus, we will hear his commands and keep them. We've talked a lot about freedom in this sermon series. And this passage is no different. The Israelites suffered from spiritual amnesia, and God knew that they needed to incorporate a rhythm of life that would allow them to freely love God and remember his commandments. Today, I want to follow that pattern found in the first part of the Shema prayer and hope that we all will incorporate this rhythm of life. If you're following along your notes, write two words down. Learn it. Learn it. The Shema prayer starts with to love the Lord and to remember his commands. Verse 6 tells us that God's commands should be upon our hearts. Learning God's word means that we have committed it to our heart. And in order to learn God's word, we must read God's word. Amen? Not everybody agrees. The American Bible Society puts out a state of the Bible report every year. And every year from 2014 until 2021, approximately 50%, one out of two, of those interviewed read their Bibles on their own at least four to five times a year. Now that, my friends, is a pretty generous amount of time to read your Bibles four to five times a year. But get this. In 2022, there was a drop. 11% drop. Which, if these statistics are correct, we're talking about millions of Americans. 39% of Americans interviewed had read their Bible at least, and on their own, four to five times a year. Only 10%, which is also down, read their Bibles every day. 
That's terrifying. Jesus said, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And how can we follow Jesus if we don't read his word? I want to be more like Charles Spurgeon, who once said, Oh, to be bathed in the text of Scripture and to let it be sucked up into my very soul until it saturates my heart. The, the writer of Hebrews said that the Word of God is alive and it's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword and it penetrates. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitude of the heart. I wonder if our fast-paced society and culture has caused us to stop reading our Bibles. It reminds me of the story that Carl shared in Sunday school class, Luke chapter 10. Jesus was visiting a town in Beth called Bethany. He was in the home of Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. In those days, it would be common for the women of the house to prepare the meal, take care of the hospitality while the men listened to the vis visiting teacher. Ironically, that might be a little bit different in our society. Martha was busy doing just that. She was upset because her sister Mary wasn't lending a hand in the kitchen. Instead, we find Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he said. And Martha, Martha was so upset and she interrupted the teaching and asked Jesus to rebuke her sister Mary. Why am I the one doing all the work? Jesus, tell that woman to help me in the kitchen. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. And if that doesn't encourage you to slow down and learn God's word, it is the very words of Jesus. Because I think sometimes we say, but I am learning God's word, I've been busy in the church, or I'm active serving my neighbors. And Jesus says, slow down, Martha. Mary has chosen what is better. What was better was to sit and listen at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, whoever hears these commands of mine and put them into practice, that's who loves me. The second rhythm of life is just as important. It's to live it. 
Look how often God's commands are to be part of the life of the Israelite. He says, talk about my commandments when you sit at home. He said, talk about my commandments when you're in your car driving around. Of course, they didn't have cars. It says when they were walking, right? I don't walk to work. Talk about it as you walk down the road. He says, as you're about to lay down and go to bed, talk about it. As you get up first thing in the morning, maybe Jesus might say, drink a cup of coffee, and then, or even brush your teeth, and then talk about it. When you wake up, when you go to sleep, tie it on your body somewhere. Write them on the door frame of your house. God's command should be every part of everyday life. It should change the way that we live. During a service at an old synagogue in Eastern Europe, when the Shema prayer was said, half the congregants stood up and the other half remained sitting. The half that was standing up yelled at those sitting down to stand up also. And the half that were sitting down yelled back, no, you should sit down. The rabbi, educated as he was in the law and the commentaries, didn't know what to do. His congregation suggested that he consult a 98-year-old man who was one of the founders of their synagogue. And the rabbi hoped the elderly man would help him understand the temple tradition. So he went and asked. The one whose followers stood during the Shema said to the old man, is it the tradition to stand during this prayer? And the old man said, no, that's not the tradition. And the ones who were sitting said, well, then it must be that we must sit. And the rabbi said, no, that's not the tradition. And then the rabbi said, but the congregants, they fight through the whole service. And he said, that is the tradition. <laughs> James says in James 1 to not only listen to the word and so deceive yourself, to do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says. It's like someone who looks at his face in the mirror, and then after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, that gives freedom and continues to do it, not forgetting what he heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in all that he does. Listen to these words of Tim Keller. He said, the gospel devours the very motivation you have for sin. It completely saps your need and reason to live any way that you want. I love that. We should not just read our Bibles, but we should allow God's word to transform our lives. 
as we grow more and more familiar with the power of the gospel, it will sap every energy we have in ourselves, every desire we have in ourselves to do whatever we want. Do we read the Bible just to gain knowledge or to be transformed? And it was the writer of Romans who said, For God, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among all the brothers and sisters. I want to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And so I don't just read my Bible to gain knowledge. I don't just learn it. I've got to live it. I've got to allow his word to transform my life. Now for the final rhythm of life. It's to teach it. The passage tells us specifically to impress it upon our children. We should understand that idea, right? My son Eli turned 15 years old last week. He's studying to get his learner's permit. A learner's permit is great. Curriculum is great. Reading it and learning it and studying it and memorizing is helpful, but there's only one way to learn how to drive, friends. You've got to get into the car and do it. You've got to draw straws with your spouse. <laughs> Many of you maybe have great memories learning how to drive by your parents or grandparents. Maybe some of you have horror stories of learning how to drive with your parents or your grandparents, your loved ones. But there's one thing that all of us have in common. Somebody taught us. Amen? And if you read through the book of Kings, First and Second Kings, the book of First and Second Chronicles, you know what you'll see? You see a lot of kings who didn't impress anything on their kids. Hmm. They never taught their kids the freedom of God's command. We don't hear about these kids, kings tying anything on their arms or writing anything on their door frames. God wants us to impress his commands on our children. And it's true today. Young men and women are growing up in homes where parents are concerned about grades and making money or even driving a car. Just statistically remember that Jeff O only has your kids two to three hours a week. Impress it on your children. And you're capable. It was Paul who said in Romans 15, 14, I'm convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent 
to instruct one another. I think we get into a mindset that it's the preacher's God to teach and instruct, and we forget that we're all filled with the same Holy Spirit, and we have all been given the same Holy Word. And we're all competent enough to teach one another. Now go and do it. Don't just settle for living and learning. Impress on others the importance of Jesus and his kingdom. Paul says earlier in Romans 10, 14, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one that they have not heard? And how can they hear unless someone is preaching to them? Impress God's word upon one another. Talk about it when you wake up. Talk about it when you go to bed. Talk about it when you're sitting at dinner time. Talk about it when you're in the car. Learn it. Live it. Teach it. These are simple instructions found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And the reason it gives us freedom is because we're not too much different than the Israelites. We are prone to spiritual amnesia. Many times we forget that Jesus gives us victory over sin and death. We're tempted when we don't know where to turn because we've not allowed ourselves to be transformed by the gospel. Today is a good day to recommit yourself to the Shema. In the words of the beautiful hymn, Be Thou My Vision, O High King of Heaven, my victory is won. Let us be reminded that our victory is won and sealed when Jesus gave his life as atonement for your sin. And then when he raised his son and set him at the right hand of the Father, he gave you victory and freed you from sin and death. Now learn it, live it, teach it. And as we sing our next song, I hope that you'll join me in recommitting myself to these words. Our three communion stations are set up. Please go to one of those as we sing this next song. Take the communion back to your seat and reflect. And we'll take communion together as Nancy comes and shares with us a fresh word. Let's pray together, please. Father, I just want to say thank you for the victory that you gave us in your son, Jesus Christ. And we know of this victory because you wrote it down in your word, and you long for us to know you more, to listen more, to live more, to instruct more. And I pray, Father, that you will give us that boldness that we need, give us that strength and reminder that we need so that we can go out and do it. Thank you, Lord, for a time that we can be reminded, a time that we can reflect, 
at a time that we can honor you as we take communion in unison, celebrating you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.